When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Nick Bob Podcast, coming to you live from the AOI Studios, a.k.a. my basement office. I love it in this office. When I was making my office into a a podcast room, I I had a vision of what I wanted, and AOI made it come true. The desk, the design of it, the chairs, it all just looks great, it's comfortable, I love it. And I've told you about the desk and the Aeron chair, but AOI does it all. Whether it's construction or furniture, AOI will help make your ideas a reality, just like they did for me. you got to check out AOI on the web, AOICorp.com, AOICorp.com, or give them a call, 402-896-5520. That's 896-5520. All right, on deck today for this podcast, we got a really good one. We got a great one. We got Bill Raftery, former Seton Hall coach, and obviously now he's the household name in the broadcasting world. He's pretty much the analyst voice of college basketball. He works for Fox and CBS. He calls the Final Four, and he's one of a kind (laughs) with his personality, his humor, his insight, you know, and sayings like onions, a little lingerie on the deck, and get the puppies organized, all that on and on. I mean, he is truly one of a kind. He's one of a kind. And, you know, for, I got to tell you, as a, uh, you know, a younger guy in this profession and a guy that is, you know, just trying to, you know, scratch claws way and make it, the guy who has been unbelievably supportive and nice to me from day one is Bill Raftery. I, you know, you, you, uh, there are some guys you see on TV and you think, man, I'd love to hang out with that guy. I'd love to have a drink with that guy. And you, and maybe at the same time, you kind of wonder if he'd be a good dude. I'm telling you guys, he's the absolute best. He's the best, man. He's sincere. He's caring. He's genuine. He's got a great heart. He's just as hilarious off the camera as he is on camera. And the guy knows his hoops, man. I mean, the way he studies, the way he prepares, the way he can break down things during a game. I mean, he's just a joy to listen, call a game. And, uh, you know, I figured it, it, I'm taping this on a Sunday. I shot him a text. And I said, hey, Raf, man, I, I got this silly little podcast. You got any time to come on the pod? Called me back immediately. And, I, and he said, let's do it. Let's do it. I said, okay. I mean, it's just amazing. This guy is beyond busy. And he can still find 15 minutes for someone like me to uh, to to chat, right? I mean, it's just if that isn't a window into how good of a guy he is, I don't know what is, man. This is a fun conversation. We hit on a bunch of stuff. You know, I ask him who's the best team in college basketball, his thoughts on the Big East, on Fred Hoiberg, on Creighton, how the game has evolved. I also got his thoughts on Bob Knight returning to Indiana and being honored. That was obviously a big story over the weekend and, and so much more. So... I didn't want to eat up too much of his time since the guy is beyond slammed and busy all the time. Uh, but this was great, uh, Bill Raftery. I'm, you know, I'm proud to call this guy a friend. 
And I think you guys are going to enjoy this. I, re- I really, really do. So here we go. Let's get to it, man. Uh, here is my podcast chat with Fox and CBS's number one college basketball analyst, Mr. Onion himself, Bill Rapper. Well, you, uh, I could just have him talk and he would need no introduction. He's Bill Raftery. He's pretty much the analyst voice of college basketball. Works for Fox, works for CBS, calls the Final Four. Kind enough to join us. Uh, I mean, how many, Raft, how busy are you? That Like, are you three games a week, two games a week? What's the what's the load like now for you? Uh, nothing like yours, Nick. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're, you're laying the wood on me. Meantime, you haven't been home much at all. But uh, no, just, it just sometimes it's three, right? Uh, but mostly, mostly two. And and as you found out, the, the most the most difficult part is getting there. Yes. The rest of it is uh, cake. You know, it's enjoyable. And, you know, nice surroundings. Kids playing their backsides off. Right. But uh, just once in a while, you get a stop through here or there, or delay or cancellation and weather and all that kind of stuff. But. Uh, the rest of it is, uh, you know, you're really done before you get there. You might as well go home. You know, it's like uh, just tying the pieces together when you see your coach and gives you a little of his insight, and uh, then you go. You're ready to rock and roll. You know, it's a quick two hours, and, uh, you know, just uh, under the most pleasant circumstances. Right. How much has your process of how you prepare for a game changed? Because you talk to anybody, as I've been trying to kind of, break down the door of, of getting into this industry. Everybody's got the, yo, you got to do this. You got to do that. You can't say this. You can't say that. What, what's it been like for you in figuring out how you prepare for a game? I think the best advice which you have followed, it looks like, it's, just, it's your deal. You know, you right. just get after it the same style. Uh, you might tweak it as the years go on. But, I, you know, I basically, you know, some guys like numbers. Uh, you know, some guys like trends. Some guys like stories, and uh, it depends on you and what you're bringing to the table, and uh, hopefully you have a good teammate. I mean, that's the key that I found. You know, if you're a play-by-play guy, uh, which is, you know, so prominent now, is, is a willing, you know, teammate. I mean, it's, it's almost like the game itself. It's right. like you're in it together. You're not going to let him down. Uh, you know, you're going to be prepared and uh, just sort of be able to respond to anything he might throw your way. And, and hopefully you develop a, a dialogue and a little, uh, not necessarily emotion or magic, but just a, a, you know, a feeling that transcends to a home or, or a listener. Uh, but in terms of what, what you do is it's just all pretty much the way you've been raised, who you've piled around, your kind of delivery, your tone. Uh, all of those things sort of tie into being you. And I, I'm sure when you started, a lot of people say, just be you. Yeah. And people would, you would say, well, I don't know who I am, you know, or <laughs> what am I on the air kind of, you know? So yes. I just think the more you do, uh, it's almost like the reps of a quarterback or, you know, a team or a point guard that, uh, you know, you get a little if flow going and, uh, the game takes you for a great ride, hopefully. Yeah, isn't it fun? What, what beyond just the games? And I mean, you had a great moment uh, the other this past week with Kamar Baldwin's game winner. But like, but beyond all that, I just love the uh, get getting to see the behind the scenes stuff of all the different ways each coach 
goes about preparing their team to play. You know, it's like there's no right way. Everyone's got their own little thing. Is What's it been like to watch that evolve over the years? Because there's been a lot of different things infiltrating the game, whether it is numbers and trends and analytics or the explosion of film. Is Would you say things, that the way most of the coaches prepare, is it similar to what it was, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, or has it changed quite a bit? Oh, I think it's changed totally. I mean, I, I can't imagine the effort these guys put into breaking tape down. And, uh, you know, there's their skull sessions, their meetings. Uh, uh, it's really uh, just a, an unbelievable proportion of time that they, they, these kids are involved. I mean, with us, it was, you know, we showed up, at, the kids showed up at 3, 3.30, and they were done like preseason, maybe 6, 6.30. We had no study hall. Uh, we all we all had kids that wanted to go to Harvard, of course, you know. <laughs> but you know, we didn't we didn't have any of those type of things. Plus, the film when I was doing it didn't come for a day or two. Right. Or with the budget we had, you had X amount of films you could use or pay for. So uh, the whole thing now is uh, what what do you want to say, scientific or uh, more hands on or whatever but uh, but i i do think what you initially said is true anybody particularly in a production end of things uh, there's a lot of rash judging that goes on on way the way a guy runs a shoot around even much less a practice and uh you know i caution them uh, if if it, it need be obviously but uh, that you know Beheim doesn't even have a shoot around okay. or you know this guy just walks around during the two hour practice and lets his assistants do a lot of the work or steps in and I'm talking about the bigs and, and the image of the country in terms of basketball everybody's got their own way of doing things right. and I think it's an adjustment uh, Mike Krzyzewski is probably the best example when he started he did so many things differently before he became the Olympic coach uh, that he has changed totally uh, the way he runs practices, uh, uh, maybe even the tweaking of offense and the simplifying of things, uh, simply because of being around the pros and, you know, gleaning things from them and, and the assistants he had. Many were NBA guys. So I, I just think that the process of coaching is always evolving yeah and you know from the early days uh, when i played even you know red mcmanus was the creighton coach yep. you know we don't pull I mean, you've heard me tell the paul silas story about you know the, the, our coaches in their days they worked hard but it was a different type of hard it wasn't as time consuming uh, it wasn't as hands-on and october 15th was when you started spending time now it's all summer long uh, and I'm not so sure it's right either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to see kids play more three on three and mix it up and be on their own and, uh, let coaches have a life as well. And I think some of the kids would love that. Now, if some people say, well, that stops the progress of a player. Uh, well, a player is always going to be a player. And if you really love it, you're going to work at totally. it. So, but I just think that it's, it's really, the kids have a lot of time occupied for them. I, 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 and then the other part is off the floor. I don't envy these kids. They can't be college students anymore. They, they can't do anything that we did, you know, now to be headlines. Oh, you boy. Know? 
Yeah. We'd be suspended from college, <laughs> probably. But so I think it's, it's everything changes as the years go on. No doubt. I mean, I I think about my senior year. Coach Altman would have me. I would take the guys through film. Like he would hand me the DVD and say he'd go, "Bah, they're sick of my voice. You just you make sure they understand this, this, and this." And he would have me do it. And then right. e- even even with how much the game itself has changed, I so after my freshman year at Kansas, that spring. All we did, Raph, that whole spring was we did three-on-three, no dribble. Danny Manning was the all-time passer. So, like, you throw it to Danny. We played three-on-three. You couldn't dribble. And it was great, but I think about that now. That wouldn't even apply. You know, no one – basically nobody played – everybody has to have the ball in their hands, and it's a bunch of ball screens. I'm not saying – I'm not one of those guys that thinks – you know, the, I think the game, the game's in a great place, but it's just, it's, it's whether it's the style or the coaching, the way things have evolved is pretty dramatic in a short period of time, relatively speaking. Right. And then, and then the other thing is some guys into the analytics now where threes are it and, yep. you know, on a layup and then there's no middle game. And, and I, you know, I'm like old school. I think you always look for the best shots you can get. And, and for Creighton, it happens to be threes frequently, but. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys, and I heard you pointed out, Balik's really become a good driver. Zagorowski's incredible. Uh, you know, he's like the, the Marcus Howard puts you on a string kind of move. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I think it's just a constant adjustment of a coach to the kind of player he has as well and to the style of a league too yes uh, you know well you know the strengths of some leagues are different you know it might be more bully ball in one league and pressing or a number of pressing teams but i i think that's what makes this big east uh, a great preparation for the ncaa tournament uh, there's so many different styles of play uh by by each team that that you know sort of prepares you for the hard knocks of march so let's let's stick with the Big East. Who we're, we're a little bit past the halfway point, and Seton Hall is kind of with the win over Nova yesterday. Really, has has taken a commanding lead. How do you? I mean, do you feel like that's how I kind of see? It. I think there's Seton Hall, there's a gap, and then there's kind of that Villanova, Creighton, Butler, Marquette kind of group, and Providence. I'd throw in there too. Is that how you kind of see it? Like, how good do you think Seton Hall is, Raft? Well, yeah, Cooley lost to them a couple of weeks ago in a pretty good game, and he thought they could be in the Final Four. Uh, so, you know, I would bow to him because they prepare, yeah. you know, see them uh, in a detailed fashion. Uh, but that's not to be—it's not to be said that they can't be beaten. Obviously, I think that's sort of the the country uh, by and large, where no matter who—and you mentioned Kansas before—at different periods of the time this year, I think I've said there's seven or eight teams when I had them that could win it all. Ohio State was hot early; was a good, a perfect example. So, uh, you know, the league itself is strong. It's going to be a nightmare come the East tournament time because there's, there's not a big spread between teams. Uh, but the middle layer is, is tough and can handle, uh, you know, the Seton Halls of the world. The Seton Hall could have lost at DePaul a couple of weeks right, ago. Right, right. Uh, you know, I don't know if you had that game. I think it was uh, either Linium or Jimmy. You know, you get yeah. punchy watching these different games. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, as you mentioned, Xavier's starting to feel pretty good about themselves. Marquette's always a threat. You know, guys have gotten better there besides Howard, who can, you know, just put you in pain and shock if you have to guard him, obviously. But uh, so I, I just think it's 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 strong and it's deep. 
and and Seton Hall right now is able to win games at the end, and they overcame two major injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just incredible that. Uh, both Pal and you can bail me out with Mamadou Bashevelli. I'm not working, so I don't have to say it right. But just call you know, him Mamu. We'll just call him Mamu. Nobody mentioned yeah. him being out at all. Right. Uh, like it was Pal with the concussion, and he's back. And he finally, I think he played better yesterday than I than I've seen him play since he's back. So, uh, you know, they're good. They're talented. They're pain the neck defensively, uh, and they've got a big time guy who can drill you. And I think that's. You know, making shots the last two minutes and making free throws. I mean, they should have lost the DePaul game because they play, shot free throws terribly. Mm-hmm. And yet they're a pretty good free throw shooting team. So, no, it's, I think it's, it behooves you to be ready. Uh, you know, your local team there is, you know, obvi- obviously, you know, obviously fun to watch, but they are tough kids. I mean, undersized, uh, you know, it's painful uh, defensively. Because hey, you got to get back, and then they stretch you out, and then they got the ball screen dive, and uh, you know they're good off the bounce, uh, so they're always stepping into shots. So it's like I, I love be there on the catch. Well, you know it's you go from help side to catch side, and now they own you with the pump fake. So uh, there's there's a lot of good teams and a lot of good players. Overall, I, I, and it kind of changes a little bit week to week to a certain extent. Who, who, what's the best team you've seen? Is it, I think I talked to you after you had the Oklahoma, you said it was probably Kansas. Has that changed? Like where, where are you at with? Well, you know, I I love, you know, I had Baylor and, uh, you know, it's it's like almost back when you're in high school, you fall in and out of love every day, I guess, you know, (laughs) right? where they fall in and out of love with you. We're more like that in my (laughs) social life. But, uh, you know, I love Gonzaga and I still do. And I think they're getting punished for playing in their conference. Uh, you know, they've had injuries and they've had close games, you know, some, some surprising scores like Pepperdine at San Francisco, you know, could have had them late. Uh, but, but I, you know, it's not taking away how good they are. You know, I've had Louisville and Louisville's real good. So, I mean, and then I watched LSU getting ready for my Kentucky, uh, you know, just to get to know the league a little yep. bit. And, and, and they're very good. So, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of who starts rounding into form. And I, I honestly think it's more important to have the sixth and seventh and the seventh and a half guy perform. Right. Are they getting better? And I think that transforms you from, you know, getting better as a team to having guys who can really come in and overcome fouls or nicks or injuries. Two more things. I'll let you run, Raf. Thanks for your time. I, before I want, I want to ask you about Bob Knight here in a second, but I got to ask you about Fred Hoiberg. You know, he's back at Nebraska. I know they're having a a, a tough year this year, but I mean, he Raf, he brought in basically a brand new team, and you know that can be challenging, and that can be kind of boomer bust. But he's got a bunch of good kids sitting out that are going to be pretty talented. I guess you you remember Hoiberg, I'm sure, as a player, and then obviously he's been in the NBA, and then he was at Iowa State and had a role in there. I know people around Nebraska basketball are, are elated that that Hoiberg is, is in Lincoln. What do you think of, of Hoiberg back with Nebraska? Well, I love the guy. I mean, I, I had him when he was at Iowa State, and he was a, a, a burgeoning mayor. He wasn't an official <laughs> mayor then. Uh, and then, of course, doing the NBA games, ran into him quite a bit. Uh, he's one of those few guys that can take five new guys and put them on the floor and be representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this you know he'll nick people as this year has gone on, and I'm going to have him a little later. But, uh, you know, the, the guy's a keeper. 
you know, give him some good players. Yep. And you saw what he did at Iowa State. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it's a great addition to the facilities and the philosophy now. You know, back when I was young, you know, Nebraska, although decent, you know, everybody felt they weren't really into basketball. Kind right. of. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't want to go play there against a good team. And, you know, Freddie's going to get guys who play confidently, uh, you know, that kind of Jay Wright kind of, you know, if you're open, you shoot the ball kind of a look. So I, I, I think, you know, him getting good players and the Big Ten being what it is, uh, they will not be the easy out that, you know, people might expect. So, in fact, I got Michigan State there, and that'll be yes. a rocking and rolling night, uh, you know, for that. But, no, I, I just like what he does. I like him as a guy. And, uh, be interesting with son Jack on the up. I'm gonna yeah. have to see who Jack's root for that particular night. You know, oh, absolutely. Get you out of here on this raft. I'm not sure if you saw the the video of Bob Knight uh, yesterday. We're taping this on a Sunday. Finally coming back to Indiana. Obviously, there's been a lot of drama and different things that have happened. I'm sure he's a a colleague and a friend. Um, I guess what were what were your emotions as you kind of heard about Bob Knight finally coming back to Indiana, being honored, and and maybe seeing the the video of it? Yeah, I've talked to him. Uh, I, I would say two or three times in the last year, and you know it, it's just been tough, you know, on him yeah. and his wife. It's just been uh, a struggle, and and I'm I'm glad you know to get rid of any animosity or bad feelings and that he and his wife may have had towards the university. And of course, all those people are gone. And I think it's fitting because he's been back to the state frequently at different functions. He and Katie did a couple of get togethers, uh, with audience. And, uh, you know, it was heartbreaking in a lot of ways not to see him as robust and, uh, you know, as, as engaging as he can be. But I, I think for the people of Indiana, you know, it sort of ties things up in a nice package for them. You know, the greatness yeah. of, you know, obviously one of the finest coaches that I've either seen or, you know, coached against. And, uh, you know, we go back to the Army days. So uh, I, I know all the good things he's done. I know people like to bring up some of the things that he may have done that they didn't like or we didn't like. But uh, in terms of basketball and his contributions and his you know, the love that he has had for Indiana and, and of course, the compassion they've had for him. So it was very heartwarming and, yeah. you know, just uh, makes you stop and think how precious life is. 100%. Well, Raph, you are uh, you're the best, man. As a young guy in this industry trying to make it, to have someone like you be supportive of me, you know, give me a call, talk to me, all that stuff, it, it means a ton. So I appreciate you. Oh, that's very nice, Nick. I'm glad you're doing so well. Great to listen to you. I learned a lot from me, kids, so keep it up. I appreciate it. Raft, I will for sure see you in New York at the very least, okay? You got it, Nick. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Raft. Oh, Parkville Media Production.